0: Well, thank you again for having us, and um, I do especially always feel very comfortable um, just sharing with y'all on a much more personal level. You know, sometimes when we go to churches, we're just basically talking about the ministry, but I appreciate the fact that that at Rocky Point, um, your interest in supporting missionaries goes beyond just um, writing a checkout and that kind of thing, that your desire is to personally know the people that you're supporting and to have a relationship. So we really appreciate that because um, um, that's one area that we really uh, have a struggle with when we go there. But before I get into all of that, I I um, wanted to just say a little word about the video that you all saw this morning. Um, this is not something that Jacob made me say or do, but I know that, you know, when you saw the video, you could see it was like, you know, this is Rao, wow, it's not just a place, it's a man with a vision and passion. <laughs> you know. And I mean that that honestly made him very uncomfortable. But you know, from me, from the standpoint of, of the one making the video, when I when you do something creative, you're you know, you're distilling something into a, you know, a small uh, synopsis, and it it was hard for me not to for that to stand out. That that really, you know, everything that that has happened at Rao and through Rao is really because of of a man that had a calling and a vision and a passion and and that made it happen, you know, by the grace of God. I'm not saying that it's just all all about him, but I I just wanted to say that just so that you know, he doesn't have to feel like he's you know, putting himself out there as the man. <laughs> it was me putting him out there as the man. <laughs> so, um that was the first thing, and then I did want to kind of um, go into some things that like you know um, like you know, there's the whole ghostbusters thing, but I wanted to do a missionary myth buster thing um, because um, sometimes and and I think probably all are are on a different level when it comes to missionaries I, I think you all know that. Missionaries are not superhuman people with superpowers or extraordinary anything. We're just people that love God that have been call and called specifically to do something, and God gives us grace to do that. And yet, at the same time, it has been very hard to do it. And so, I just want to share with you some of the ways that it's been hard, so that you know how to pray for us and. Uh, encourage us, and um, one of the things is that um, it's it's really hard on your personal walk. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy to be a Christian anywhere. Um, it requires um, trusting in the Lord and um, and leaning on Him and going walking through hard times and finding out that He is sufficient and all of that, but. One of the things that I didn't expect was to um, feel like the underpinnings of all the means of grace that God has provided, the church, small care groups, friends, you know, the family support, all of that just kind of was like it was gone. And I found myself very lonely and very cut off from all of the things that that you all of the things that help you <laughs> stay encouraged in the faith and all of that. Jake I, and he'll say this too for him it was different because he had a goal and he was going to go <laughs> after that goal and you know I mean and that's that's Jacob he you know he's a goal oriented person a task oriented person and he went out there and did it and it, it you know he had but for me I was I went from you know having a a job and a paycheck and all of that to suddenly just you know just cut cut off from all of the things that sort of gave you know put wind in my sails and um, but one of the things I can say is that it made me realize how you know that that uh, song um, on Christ the Solid Rock I stand it says. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And it made me realize that, you know, having your church family around, having friends, having a care group, all of those are sweet frames that I was leaning on, and somewhere in there, you know, I I guess I realized that I wasn't leaning as much, you know, wholly leaning on Jesus' name as I thought I was. And so having those things removed really um, opened my eyes to see that that I needed to, to lean into Jesus a lot more than I was. Um, and one of the things that, one of the sections of Scripture that that really, was helpful and meaningful to me was in Romans 8 where it says, um, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So as weak as my faith seemed, as, as weak as my ability to hold on to Jesus was, it was comforting to know that his hold on me, is much stronger than and much more reliable than my hold on him, and so um, that section of scripture was especially uh, sweet to me. And I, you know, went through a longer period of of just um, you know, like the kind of free falling. I, I feel like until I finally fell back to Jesus and um, found my my footing again. Um, one of the things we realized is that that it's really hard on marriage to um, live in the same place where you minister <laughs> um, because it's really hard to uh, separate ministry from your personal life. And, um, you know, I just felt like, like it, it was just hard to find, you know, when when do we get our time? You know, because there's always a need, and there are always people coming, and and you, it's just hard to say, sorry, I can't, and I can't deal with that right now, and because they're coming to you, and it's at your home, and so, um, but um, one of the things that, I, <laughs> as I saw the need for teaching on marriage and family there, and I was studying about it, and I realized how central to the gospel it is to take care of your marriage because marriage is like the best um, image of the gospel it, it's, it exemplifies the gospel in, in amazing ways and um, and I mean you know if we fall apart then what everything falls apart and so, um, one of the things we started doing together was just one of the first things we did in the morning was to um, read just a small portion of a book together. The, the book we started with was Timothy Keller's The Meaning of Marriage, and it just has, you know, small subheadings. And we so we didn't read very much, but we began to connect more together and, and trying to reserve, like, sometime in the evening we called it hammock time because we had a little hammock in the back part of where it's a bit private and just trying to to delineate you know ministry from from our our relationship and um so that has been that has been a, a really helpful um direction for us. Um and then just another area is that it's been really hard on, um, on our friendships and our social life because, you know, we are removed from all of the people that we have known and loved for decades, and we've, you know, been a part of a family, and so we're kind of starting out brand new in a new place, new culture, new language, and um, it is really hard to know who are your real friends you know, when you go to a culture where the difference between the haves and the have-nots is very wide and stark, you know, you, um, and, and people are desperate, you know, they are in desperate situations, and they see you come, and they think, oh, man, maybe that's my way out of this situation that I'm in, and so they come to you, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, are you? I mean, there were, have been times, you know, people will come, and you know, there's someone sitting under the mango tree waiting there, you know, to talk to you, and they say, "Oh, they just want to greet you, you know," and you, "Oh, that's nice. Let, you know, I'll go greet them." And then you go, and then, and then they pull out their letter that says, "Well, I've got this need and this need," and, and, and so it just was, has has been hard to feel like, you know, how, who who are the people that have a that personal vested interest in us and, and us and them and have that kind of mutual friendship. That has been really hard for us. And um, and then even coming back to the States, you know, people change, situations change. You come back to your home church and life, you know, life has moved on without you and people have moved on and, um, you know, you haven't been able to connect with your friends like you used to. And so it just... It just doesn't feel the same. And I think last time we gave that example of how, um, y- you know, when you go and live in another culture, if your color, if you're, a as, as an American, let's say you're blue, and you go to Uganda, which is yellow. So y- you go there, and the yellow starts to rub off on you, and you start to look a little green because, you know, yellow and blue make green. So, um, um you know, the more you stay there, the more of that yellow kind of rubs off on you, and then you come back to the states, and golly, you're not blue anymore. You're kind of green, <laughs> and you don't quite blend in with the people uh, that you used to blend in with. And you think differently, and and uh, you know, it's like priorities seem different here. And you you know, we we watched a really good movie that Anna recommended. Um, called Mary and Martha, and it was about an issue, the issue of malaria. But but it was just an interesting, it kind of explained how we feel like this woman went to a, a country with her son and lost him to, to malaria, and then she comes back and all of her friends are talking about, well, I, you know, I wanted this car, and I but I couldn't, you know, my husband wouldn't let me get that car, and it had to be this car, and she, you know, really saw that how priorities could be so shallow and skewed and, and it just affects it, seeing the world in other places just affects the way that you think and look at the world and, and, and it, it just makes you question things and so coming back you know is not always easy either there are challenges to coming back and at the same time we um, are so blessed to come <laughs> We, we, we feel loved and, and refreshed here and, and God is expanding our family um, in a really amazing ways. but um, I, I'm so grateful that that God is is in all of this and that he's using even these hard hard things to really, Help us to lean into him just like we would have to do anywhere. I mean, if we we're here, we'd have challenges and we have to figure out how to walk with God and, and walk with integrity and that kind of thing. Um, but I just wanted you to kind of know some of those kinds of struggles that we've been having so that you can pray for us and that that if you have you know, wisdom in those things, or especially as Jacob encouraged, you know, to, to see how important your prayers are. It's just the way God has designed and chosen to, you know, transfer his blessings and grace and all of that from one one place to another. And so um, I I don't want to make it sound like it's all bad, and, you know, I know Jacob's you know the things that he shares are, are exciting, and you know you can't help but be excited by what God is doing, and to be a part of that is awesome. But um, you know we just want you to see that missionaries are people too. <laughs> <laughs> but we do thank you that we've just felt the love, and it and it really does refresh and bless us so much. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: right, right. is that or um know if they see that or not, but um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, pretty it's pretty private, yeah, because it's good. I, I mean, there have been a few times when it's like somebody's even come up to the – because we have mats up there, you know, to keep out the sun and just to make it private. But, I mean, if they need you for something, they're going to come find you. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, they have seen us there, but, but it is – it is something that we hope to to do more. That's one of the reasons why I said I have really been seeing the need for um, like marriage and parenting teaching because they, there's just nothing like that there. And I did one session with some of the the um, church plant leaders from the Metu Mountains. We had like a one day retreat for some of them, and um, Jacob did a teaching, and and then he you know gave me the opportunity to do a little teaching about a biblical view of marriage. And, I mean, I think they were just kind of like, wow. You know, it just sort of hit home to them, and they were like, I just wish that our wives could hear this. And, you know, um, I there's just so much that could be a, of help to them to see, you know, what a biblical marriage can look like, and not that it's been perfectly at all been modeled by us, but it is something that we're working towards, and we are talking about it more when we interact with people there, so. Oh, gosh. I mean, we see each other a lot because, I mean, when apart from on days when he goes out for ministry and I'm at home, I mean, most of the time we're seeing each other throughout the day, but uh, the the book that we're reading now is called now you're speaking my language by Gary Chapman and it's talking about you know the different levels of communication and and the first level is is um hallway talk you know we're like hi how are, how's it going and you know it's just sort of like, and then anyway you know there's there's a lot of just in passing but we realized that that we were missing some of the ways to connect on a on a much deeper level and and so and i mean there's there's a book called like the tyranny of the urgent you know how just whatever lies before you can be, become what takes up your time whereas relationship requires prioritizing and and just saying this this is too important to let to let other things take over so uh, we're really working on that right now and and it's been really a big blessing. I mean we've really seen some good fruit as far as the way that we interact with each other and um, Jake I've been finding out Jake is man, he's like a really a romantic guy and <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a sweetheart underneath it all <laughs>
1: Yeah. You can take it with you <laughs> before you go. <laughs>
0: See what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: From the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful to have Carol there. I mean, I could not be there without It would be impossible. And I I don't, like we've talked about, I wouldn't want to think about it. Because whatever we're able to accomplish, it's because we're there together. And, And I know the sacrifice that she's made to leave her sweet family and friends and all those things which were so meaningful. And, it, and men, you know, I'm I am goal oriented, so it's hard to pull aside and sit on a hammock, <laughs> you know, and read a book <laughs> or talk. When you're on a hammock, you're face to face. You know, you're sitting there talking. But it has been such a blessing; it really has. I mean, it's it things that matter. We have to be purposeful. Here. Otherwise, may I just. So it's been so good to do the hammock time, which is more of a kind of the end of the day catch up things. How did it go? what's you know happening in the beginning of the day, read those sections uh, in the book and then pray together um, before we get going and it's just been such a blessing. Um, we should have started doing that a long time ago. So you young couple, start now. Start now. Uh, We can recommend at least two good books. (laughs) And I'm sure we'll get through uh, quite a few more. But it is so important, you know. And and if we were here, we'd need to be doing the same thing. It's not just that we're there. But it is really, it is a challenge to live in your place of ministry. Because it's not like, it'd be like Pastor Hinesley living here at the church, basically. You know, and that would not work for everybody. You're thinking, oh, you think I can't do that, but you know, you do what you do when you need to do it, and so that's what we need to do.
0: So, and so you just
1: have to think about purposeful ways of how we can work that out, and so that's what we're working on. And so you can pray for us, and all that is. We continue to look at things and reevaluate, and so forth, mm-hmm. like that. And I know, and we've talked about it a few times in some of those really desperate, sad, you know, difficult times that, you know, the first way we know that the Lord will, I mean, the enemy will attack us is to try to divide us, because if he can do that, we're not going to be effective there or here. So you can pray. That can be on your prayer list, our marriage, (laughs) that it stays strong and we're focused on each other and we can be a witness of what the church and the body of Christ are supposed to be in relationship, so... That's, yeah. Um, and you know, as I thought about you know something more of a personal thing, I, w- I, I from my side of it is, I wanted there's a lot of things that I could share with you, and it could be more a lot of things in general or zero in on maybe one thing, and I've kind of chosen that latter thing. Uh, you kind of know the general because we've been able to share with you and. Uh, Sunday mornings and evenings and talking. And so I wanted to zero in on one specific area of ministry and lay some challenges out to you. Um, and right up front, I want to say I want to challenge you to adopt the Oringa tribe as a people group that you will specifically pray for as husbands and wives and families and as, as a church that the gospel would penetrate this tribe. As I mentioned this morning and other times, it's an, considered an unreached people group. Um, it's, it's a strong, strongly Muslim, majority Muslim people, but God is doing a work of grace there. And as I was exhorting you this morning, you must also help by prayer. I can see breakthroughs happening in that um, people group, the Oringa um, people of northern Uganda and so that's the the challenge right from the front side of it adopt them as a church and as a family as individuals to say we're going to commit to this people group and to pray because there's there's 6,000 people groups 6,000 plus depending on how you number it people groups and that are considered unreached and of course unreached in missionary terms uh, means that there's less than two percent evangelicals in that, in that uh, tribe of people. There's like about 560-some thousand Aringas. so less than 2% um, are believers. And we're focusing on taking those that are believers and training them in the Hall of Tyrannus and going and strengthening up church leaders. And so primarily in the beginning is we want to strengthen the church there because, as I said this morning, I think we're on the cusp of a breakout there, of God just opening hearts up, and I wanted to use one specific um, trading center. They call them, they're little towns, but they typically call them trading centers there. Um, One specific trading center for you to focus your prayers on, and then a a specific person to also be praying for. Uh, That trading center is called Karoo, and I think I maybe have some pictures here because sometimes visual things kind of help. So if we have the first slide up there, it can uh, show what's happening a little bit. But Karoo um, is interesting in that you, it, the Ringa people are from a district called uh, Yumbi. And the, the, the big town in Yumbi district is Yumbi. So it's kind of like the capital town is the name of the district. And just outside of Yumbi is a small place called Karoo. And about two and a half, maybe even three years ago, we were driving from Arua uh, to Moyo. And so you have to drive through Karoo and Yumbi. And I asked Charles, who is our um, um, man that we really work with uh, closely in Yumbi, I said, Charles, of all the places in Yumbi District, because we know it's a Muslim district, of all the places in Yumbi District, which is the place that's the strongest of the strong places where Islam is? In other words, the stronghold of Islam. He didn't even take a breath, and he said, Karu, Karu. And so we began praying. Here's a picture of one of the first, the uh, meetings I had with imams and sheikhs in Karu. And so... Two, two and a half years ago, we started praying that God would open the way for that to happen. And so since that time, God has been opening the door for us to do ministry in Karu amongst imams and sheikhs. If we could have the next one and tell a little story with this. So there's one of, the, one of the imams and sheikhs. Look at the way he's listening to the word of God. I don't know specifically what I was talking about at that moment. But this is in Karoo, one of the imams there in Karoo, listening to the word of God. And to to tell you how significant this is, in Yumbi district itself, in 2006, they had killed two American missionaries. And you couldn't really, everyone feared to even basically go and do any type of ministry in in Yumbi. That was in 2006. This is 2000, um, I think, 16, when this picture was taken. And so God is doing a work so that as we're praying and as we're going and they've opened their hearts, say, "Okay, yes, you can come talk to us. The next one. So. um, Here's here's more of them listening. It was just a hall that was maybe half as wide as this and maybe 30 feet long. And so they all sat on the floor and we shared the gospel with them and they're they're listening there the first time Uh, they were they took Bibles we gave out a ring of New Testaments um, to those that could read English. We gave global study Bibles, other apologetic materials, and they wanted them. So God is doing a work, and they started reading them. Okay, next one. There is another shot of that, and to the right of me there is Charles, who's doing the interpreting. And so, and, and some of the things that you have given in the past have been reading glasses medicines uh, and so forth those things were given out at that time and it's one of the ways that god has been opening and touching the people in karu okay the next one there's just a group photo afterwards and so they were very friendly happy of course i wasn't going in there and just punching their nose with the gospel (laughs) wasn't saying muhammad is a false prophet he is, but it was more of bridging and talking about who Jesus is from a Christian perspective. They listen. I had to sit down and listen to them as well. They're trying to convert me to Islam. That's okay. I even tell them in the beginning, says, I'm here to show you Jesus, try to make him beautiful and see you come to be Christians. And I expect that you're going to be trying to convert me to Islam. And they like that. They want that honest talking. Uh, and so... Go on. Oh, right before you go on, if we can go back, I'm sorry. Can we go back one? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't know if you can see. You see me there, right? And then right to my right with a little purple hat on is Omar. So I wanted to start breaking in and telling the story about Omar now. He's right, and he's the, he was, not is, he was the leading Imam and Sheikh in Karu of this area right here. And so there you see him right there. He was very open, very friendly, listening. Okay, the next one. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Good. No. Well, they are a little bit different. Imam is literally in Arabic means one who stands in the front and leads the prayers. So he's similar to like a pastor. A sheikh is typically also an imam, but he's typically more educated and older and so he'd maybe be in christian terms for lack of better example like a bishop you know if you had that type of hierarchy in the church government um he would be like that and so omar and then here in this picture omar is to the right at one of our meetings omar was trained in saudi arabia for was it 14 17 years yeah he's he spent time in Saudi Arabia getting the best training in Saudi Arabia. Then they sent, the Saudis sent him to Canada, and he was there in Canada for a year for a more Islamic training. So he knows the Quran frontwards, backwards. Everybody. You can say, he has it, Surah 323. It's like that. He knows it. Um, one time when I had a passage, I wanted to read a section out of the Quran. He stood up, and he sang it. <laughs> In Arabic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of education that he has. And there. So you see him listening. And we saw that he was very. Charles and I said, ah, he is. And then the questions and the comments showed us that he was someone that God was really working in his heart. And so we invited him to a private meeting not long after this picture right here. Um, And we met with him. And I was expecting to have you know, this kind of thing, you know, he's an Islamic scholar, and he comes, and he, and his wife warned him, said, do not go to meet with Jacob, he's an American, and Americans kill Muslims, she said that twice to him, and he said, no, no, Jacob won't kill me, we talked, we ate together, and I said, you know, invited him to come to Christ, he said, I want to, I want to, I want to follow Jesus, I want to become a Christian, It's like, uh, it's kind of like Rhoda at the door when when Peter's knocking on the door and opens the door and she 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 shuts the door on his face, you know. And so that was like a year and a half ago. And I've talked about him before with y'all. I've had to kind of keep it mum a little bit. Um, But there he is there. Okay, the next picture. I think if I put these in the correct order, there he is again. He's now looking. He's right behind me there. See where his hands we are starting to become friends. And one of the things that he testified, he was at the Hall of Tyrannus that you helped build just in May. And he got up at the end and got on the black, not the blackboard, the whiteboard. He was writing this way. You know why? Because he was writing in Arabic. (laughs) He was writing on the board and giving his testimony. And he said one of the things that moved him to become a Christian, and he didn't really know how to deal with it, is when I went up and just gave him a Texas hug and gave him one of my shirts. He didn't even know what it would feel like to wear a white person's shirt. <laughs> because when he was in Saudi Arabia, the Arabs would come up to him with hankies and try to wipe the darkness off of his skin. And so those are one of the things that really moved him to faith. And so the next one, I think we... if I might have in the next one where it's actually... Shows him in a more recent picture. This is Omar just uh, like in May. I think that picture was taken. You see how he's beaming? Yeah, in a button up. That's probably one of the some American shirt that someone gave me that I gave him. Look at the smile on his face. And for, you know, for a while, like when I was with you last time, he was kind of there's You know, there's a big fear when a Muslim, a high ranking Muslim comes to Christ. Rightly so, too. Uh, because Islam is not just a religion, it's a way of life. And so he was leaving all of that. And it's just since I was with you last time now that, and before this, he started, um, because we have Kindles that we've been given to by a brother that has a Jesus film on him uh, in Oringa, and he'd been going around to mosque and showing the Jesus film. And, of course, and if they try to argue with him, he just talks to him in Arabic, and he says, says, Jacob, they don't know the Quran very well. And I'll just argue. <laughs> and even because of the things that are happening, uh, envoys were sent from Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Pakistan, and he would just argue with these guys in Arabic and pretty much shut them down because he's that good. And I, when he came to Christ, I said, Omar, I think that you're like, an apostle to the ring of people, that God is raising you up. For the longest time, he he didn't really want to come completely out, though. And we had one, finally, I think it was in maybe December, we had a good sit-down talk, and he told me why. I said, I don't really want to let people really know that I'm a true born-again Christian because then I won't be able to go into the mosque and show the Jesus film. And so that was his thinking. I said, well... And he said, I, I'm, I think I'm able to reach more people. And I said, well, maybe that's not the case, Omar. Maybe if you come out with your faith and you really become outspoken, those who are fearful, which you say are many, said he, and he tells me all this, there's many imams and sheikhs that want to come to Christ, but they're afraid. If you do that, people will become bold in their faith and follow you. He waited, you know, like I don't want to ever push. I can't push him to do that. That has to be the spirit of God. And he did has done that. Now, in the last couple of imams, Sheikh meetings, he says, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And Christ and he said, Jacob, you know what? Now people are, I'm able to talk with people even more now. Um, and so there he is, Omar, a testimony of your prayers. So I wanted to give you that update. And he is... Or was the sheikh and the imam where? In Karoo. And through that, we've had two of those meetings. You saw the gatherings there with imams and sheikhs. Uh, We've had two times where we've done uh, one-on-one witnessing in the trading center. And then we get up on the land cruiser, or I typically do. Maybe I'll get Tony and Everett to do that when they come. And maybe... Get up on that land cruiser and we preach. It's just great. Whitfield would just be eating out. I mean, just saying, ah, I had to stand on a little stool. You get to stand on a land cruiser. <laughs> and it's great. And then show the Jesus film. This is in Karoo. So I'm, I'm telling you all this for a, a purpose here because I really want you to get connected to Karoo. Christ. And- yes. Yes, right, that's, it's a very good question, he, when he, when he first came out, um, people could see that he was with me a lot, and they, they were kind of going, hmm, you're always with Jacob now, what's, what's happening, and at that point, that was like a year and a half ago, they made threats on his life and my life, and, and that was even, um, when he was, that was when he was kind of a secret Christian and he stood up in the mosque and said you cannot kill me and you cannot kill Jacob you'll be in trouble if you do that and the the groups that wanted to do that were outnumbered by the card which is the card is like I said this morning is he's a sheikh that's elected over the imams and other sheikhs and the card in Karu said no we want Jacob to keep coming he's gonna keep coming and they got outvoted And so it kind of calmed down. (laughs) And so we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going, and we've been going back. And it seemed like things got a little bit better. Even that card I met with him, his name is Noah. So if you want to think of an individual, the card of Noah, I mean, card of Karu is Noah. Met with him privately, and he said, Jacob, I want you to meet with my counsel, and we want to give you a formal apology for the things that were said that we wanted to do. We haven't had that yet, but... Charles says he still wants to do that. Um, and so those are kind of brings you up to close to right when we left. Now, right before we left, I just was praying for a We have we've been planning the churches in the Metu Mountains, and it's just been in my heart. <laughs> she says, Jacob, don't. Sometimes you, but I really feel it's in my heart that we should plant a church in Karoo. We have just only You know, in in Hebrews it says, uh, you greet it from afar. I think that's in Hebrews 11. Help me out. And so um, it, 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 it changed because when I, I talked to Omar about it, I said, I think we want to plant a church there. And he said, yes. And so I said, Omar, would you start looking for land that might be available around in the area? He looked around no one wants to sell land <laughs> to, the, to the Christian. Um, and then he said, he's, you know, he's my age. He's 61 or 62 just like I am. And he has a bunch of personal land. He says, well, Jacob, I'm just going to, you know, I'll sell some of my land. It's mine. I can do it. And as soon as that word got out, um, the Saturday before we left, um, his wife called him when he was out and said, don't come home. There's three people here that I'm very suspicious of. I think they've been sent to kill you. So don't come home. So he spent the night in the bush. And then the next day calling called and she said, no, don't, because they're coming around and uh, there's people here, which I think cause now his wife is, quote, on the secret side. of The one who said don't go is is believing, too. And she said, don't come. And so then Monday we were driving to come here. I met him in Yumbi and I said, you can go and stay at RAU. So I sent him back to our place and he spent a week there uh, until things kind of calmed down and these people left and now he's back there. So I say that all to you to be praying because I hope that when we're back, we're hoping to be back in February uh, to report to you that maybe we have land at least purchased there and uh, we can meet underneath the tree on the land if we need to in the beginning. And because I, I just think that's another step that we can take. It's by faith. And so I'm, I haven't really shared that with anyone. And there are people here in the state. So you're all the first that, to just stand with us in prayer. That's what we need is for prayer. Because that's what breaks down the strongholds of the evil one. So Karu, think of Iringa people and Karu. Amongst there, there's other places where I believe God is going to establish churches. There's really just one good, strong church in Yumbi Town, and that's the one that we're working with, Charles's church, um, that there's going to be many. Yes. Um, It takes us about an hour and 30 minutes. Omar lives in Karoo. Yeah, that's where his home is. So he's in the midst of it right there um, and so, and pray for Omar, pray for his family, um, pray for our brothers, our ringa brothers that we work with. They're on the front lines. I get to go back, and there's I do have there's a little bit more fear for them to try to do harm to me than it is to one of their own people, um, just because even like you remember in 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 Acts. Paul appeals to his Roman citizenship, and they couldn't, you know. There's there's some great blessing in being an American there because they have all these ideas that there's drones everywhere watching every step I'm taking. I don't mind throwing that out there either. <laughs> when you when you all come, I have cameras around the place. They're fake, but <laughs> they're cameras, <laughs> and I have the little. Um, the little solar lights that you put along the sidewalk that change color, I have those on the top of the house. Everyone thinks that we have just top security there. <laughs> <laughs> Let them keep thinking that, too. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a – I'm just saying that not that they won't try it because they have threatened to do something to me, too, but that would be more covert. Omar is in much more danger, and Charles, who I work with really closely. Those guys are – And I never want to do, when I went to Pakistan, one of the things that the team leader always says, don't make it more difficult for the believers here when you leave. Don't come here and just, oh, I'm going to do whatever I am for Jesus. Because you get to go. (laughs) They're there on the front lines. And so I want to always be aware of that with Omar, too. But Omar is zealous. He's he's, a devil. I wish every one of you can meet him and just hug his neck. I love him to death. He's he's a, a and I really believe he is like an apostle because he has still a lot of respect. I mean, when he was in these imam meetings that you saw pictures and said I'm a Christian, they were all they were not happy, <laughs> not happy at all. But they know if they try to argue with him that he'll just. he's kind of like a Paul that way too. <laughs> he'll use the Quran and, 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 he's, and we're helping him learn English. So he's getting English down better so he can have more study materials, uh, getting things in Arabic. and so He knows Arabic just like the back of his hand. He knows Swahili like the back of his hand. He knows Aringa like the back. And, he's, and he must be a linguist because he's learning English just rapidly too. And so he's studying, he's studying, he's studying all the time. He's had some health issues, so you can pray for his health a little bit. Um, but that's just kind of what I wanted on a personal note as far as the part of the ministry that I wanted to to share with you. And we're so excited about people coming. Yes. Yes, he originally had three wives because they typically as a Muslim and a man, uh, and he's married just to one right now. I mean, one died, died, and one had left him, and so he has the one wife. And then he has, um, he has children of other family members that he's taking care of. I know at least two or three. And I met one of his daughters that looks to be about seventeen years old, uh, and then his wife, and they're all because of just, just loving on them. They're pretty much, and I asked him, I said, well, Omar, is your family with you? He said, yes, they're with me now. They're with me. You know, but, and and for whatever reason, you know, they weren't there and they didn't harm his wife. Uh, they were out for, for him. Um, and that's going to be there. what, I think he, he said he was the same age as me and we talked, so I think he's 61, going on 62 like I am. Omar, pray for Omar. So that's the specific part I wanted to, and if you have questions, yes. No. Karu is K-U-R-U. That's A-R-I-N-G-A. And so if you go Mm-hmm. It should be there um, because I was just on there just a couple days ago. If you look at Oringa, and there's the, the picture is of a man with a Muslim hat, and it talks about the percentage and everything, and the report is actually one that I gave, sent to them. And then on the IMB site, too, it's there, too, Oringa. So maybe we can look at it together. They, they actually had it wrong two years ago. I looked them up. And they had him as like 94% Christian. I said, wait a minute. but This is something wrong here. And then I went and I got research for them and sent it to them. They said, oh, we apologize. And so I don't know. Yeah. hmm Okay, I'm also curious. hmm part of him learning request for English material? that Not specifically for him. That's for the when we're having these imam meetings. They're always giving requests. One of them is for agricultural training, and the other thing is um, for learning English. And I was just telling them I, we're still looking. I did find some books and so forth. I, I gave the I said, well, we'll try to do that if you'll let us use, have a Christian teacher and Christian a curriculum help you learn and so they said yes that's okay so we're still that's one of the things working in process too Uh, if you all have help in that we need someone who could really come and do that teach english as a second language we'd have we'd have i know at least four groups of imams that you could start off with if someone feels called in that area we can put you right there (laughs) Yes. That's our inside joke. <laughs> we don't say that out, but we, when I, when I invite, because I invite my coworkers to kind of come alongside different ones. I said, come on, we're going to you. And they said, okay. And I said, bring your sewing kit. <laughs> it's just- yes, it is. Yeah, they get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, yeah, no, it's very. A lot of times it's pretty different. Now, if we go back to like um, February, from like basically well, middle of January up to May, I stayed pretty much at Rao because we really pushed hard to get the new hall of Tyrannus done because we knew we had two groups coming for t- training. So I spent a lot of time there making sure that because we had to get things. Chip it up from Kampala and get all those things. And not that I was there digging or anything. I was kind of more pointing. <laughs> yes, I've learned to point really well. Uh, and we really worked hard. And, and that's why, I mean, your gift for the Hall of Tyrannus came in just at the right time. Because the money was getting down there. We just kept going and kept going. And it just like it was like, whoosh, took us to the finish line. So that was a lot of that. But during that time... I did a lot of going up into the Mentu Mountains. I've been really focusing going up there uh, a lot for discipleship training because I really see that, you know, it's one thing to go into a village. You preach the gospel, people get saved. But then what? You have to raise up leaders. And so that's a part of what we're trying to do is train leaders. There's no seminaries or Bible schools in our area. They could go to Kampala, but who can go to Kampala? Uh, there's not enough money, and it's culturally, it's not really. You leave your family, so we're trying to get things established, and we're excited about some of the partnerships that we're getting with. I don't know if you've all shared with them, but we're we're working already with uh, David Sills and Reaching and Teaching, um, that uh, has a curriculum, a nine-module curriculum that that pastors go through for three years, and so we're partnering with them and bringing teams to come teach that and bring groups of 30 to 40 through at a time to get that kind of training. And so we're trying to do that mainly in the Metu Mountains, Yumbi, and Obungi, which are our immediate areas. Um, And so that was kind of the thing. And now when we come back, you know, I'm going to be gearing up and trying to facilitate, get ready for your team that's coming. And um, and more, I wanted to be doing more outreaches, working on the – the Karoo thing get right out there in the front. I want to meet with some of the imams and sheikhs that are really opposing that, and and try the more diplomatic approach in the beginning, if possible. Um, so that kind of changes, but it's pretty much seven day a week, twenty four hour. I mean, it's, we're right there all the time, um, and so it's nice to hear.
0: I was, yes. was going to add, too, that I, I personally think that Jacob does, like, the work of three people because, because, you know, I mean, he does a lot of stuff in the construction of buildings and, you know, uh, coming up with a plan and then making the plan happen. And, um, and then, you know, we, because our, our compound has 17 acres and it's, and it's become a, an agricultural demonstration plot – and so he's you know in, vitally involved in that as well. Not as much now that um, Emma is. That's kind of his thing, and and Jacob you know, is probably does just they they communicate together and come up with a plan, and then and then it's it's worked out from there. Um, but you know then he's also doing ministry into Metu and the thing with. So to me, he, you know, he's doing a lot of of different things. So his day is always very busy, and mine is a little more... So we need the hammock time yeah. for my physical. Too. <laughs> it's so funny, because where where he sits on the hammock and where I sit, he can kind of peek over the thing, and sometimes I have to say, <laughs> quit looking over there, because he's like, oh, and I need to do this. <laughs> I don't have to hurry for me, y'all. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> so... Um, what about it, you? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, mine is more just... <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Don't put it down. i not. <laughs> but, you know, just keeping track of the the millions of shillings. I know this sounds so funny, but there they have shillings, and um, the the largest note that they have is a 50,000 shilling. And uh, But, uh, you know, it's like $1 is... 3,600 shillings. So usually you're dealing in, you know, hundreds of thousands of shillings or million. <laughs> so my job is to keep try to keep track of all the shillings. <laughs> that, that, you know, everything is done in cash. And so, you know, it's just being ready to, when things have to be done on that, on that end of the finances, you know, trying to help keep that. And just, you know, because we feed... Um, we have a work crew that's there every day, um, and so we, you know, just making sure that the that the groceries are there that are needed, and um, and yeah, those the little things. things. And and honestly, I I have to say, like this, that had become one of um, a real test for me because I was used to being out there, you know, with a a job description and you know, doing nursing and and just feeling like I knew what I'm doing and my, you know, my day is planned out. And then suddenly I'm there and I'm like, okay, what, you know, what, who am I and what am I doing here? And, you know, just, so Jacob has been trying to help me and I, as I struggle through, you know, am I really doing anything besides, you know, writing money down in a ledger or whatever? You know, it just doesn't. It just doesn't have a great ring of greatness to it. So um, I have struggled with feeling like I, I'm doing anything significant. And Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's where I, I as I have studied um, um, through, especially in Ephesians and, and just different things about marriage and just looking at how, what a beautiful picture uh, Jesus gives us of marriage. You know, how he not only is a, a, a model, he's a, he, Jesus is a model for wives and Jesus is a model for husbands and Jesus modeled um, my role very well by showing me that not my will, but your will be done. You know, just learning how to say it's not about me, you know, it's about what, what um, the bigger picture. And Jesus models the husband's job of laying down the light, his life for, for the church. And um, so that's that's been an area of struggle for me, you know, just, um, just feeling like I'm doing everything. <laughs> Or not feeling like I'm doing everything that I could be doing, or. At the end of
1: our pastors' retreats, she gets up and shares, rightly so, about the cooks and the people who've been. You know, you have 32 beds to make, and all those things, and she says, "You know, we need to appreciate these people," and she's really good about seeing that in other people, and, and it's, she's like. The queen of all these other people, <laughs> doing these things and doing it well, uh, and it's a very vital and part important part. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, Oringa, there we go. Uh, Christian one point nine. This is the Joshua. Yeah, that's the Joshua Project one, I think. And so that that is a actually a guy that we witnessed to in Kalakalinga. And so, but I kept everything anonymous because I didn't want to put even though it gave permission to do that, and so there you see the dot where it's located in northern Uganda um, and you probably people that have this conception that South Sudan is Islam no South Sudan is primarily uh, quote Christian in name and animistic religions. You have to go in and and they really don't like Islam because. North Sudan was trying to make South Sudan Islamic. So you have to go all the way up into Sudan to get the concentration of Muslims that you find in Karoo. So it's, most of Uganda in name is Christian. If you look it up in Wikipedia, it'll say 80% Christian. So, yeah. Yes. Banks, yes, they do. Uh And we go to, we have our bank in Arua, which is like about four hours away. So that's where we have to go do our banking. And so they get the money from the U.S. It has to be wired into our account there, and then we have to withdraw it and then exchange it, which is all a negotiation process. (laughs) So typically when we're going, we try to actually bring it in Cash with us when we're going, because um, they're very snoopy, <laughs> and we try to stay out of the government's eyes as much as possible, legally, you know, in a legal way.
0: Yes. I to say too, sometimes it it feels like, you know, when you when you exchange, you know, several thousand dollars into shillings, you know, you have got a big. Bag full of money.
1: $1.6 million. Yeah. for $1,000. So, you
0: know, you almost feel like a, a like drug a, dealer. A drug dealer with your, <laughs> your duffel bag, 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 bag of money. I'm walking out of the bag like this. I'm
1: on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always aware of that. Yeah, I am always aware of that. Yeah. It, 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 can, yes, yeah, it very much. They, because they're, there's. are all seeing you. Yeah. Out Yeah, yeah, they're seeing you. So you have to be kind of as coy as possible. I can't. I've asked the guys there if I could have, and they said, no, you can't. I mean, what's funny is we're right on the South Sudan border. Uganda has been pretty much disarmed, and as a Texan, you know, I don't really like that. (laughs) But just across the border in South Sudan, everyone has an ak forty-seven. I mean that's what we heard when we when I woke up this morning it's just like popcorn pop, 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 you know and so and the borders are quite porous <laughs> yeah no only, only,
0: only
1: the, the only the police and army. and army we do have brothers that come at night that are like trained SWAT wise that come with AK forty sevens and we're watching there at night so you feel okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could sneak and probably get away with it, but if I got caught, I'd be kicked out of the country. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yes. They, they, it's a good question. They're very communal, and so they do a lot of sharing. And like in the Metu Mountains, for instance, uh, there will be like, 2 they're called tukalus They're round houses with grass roofs. And so you'll have three or four or fi- five together, and there'll be kind of an extended family unit that stays together. And they do take care of each other, you know, as best as they can, too, if someone... You know, so like Omar, he's taking care of at least two children from a brother that had died.
0: Yeah. And we, um. there, in one of the villages that we hiked down into, there was a child that had lost her parents, mm-hmm. and so you know there was a family that was taking care, but but they weren't doing such a great job, and so Tobias, Pastor Tobias, um, agreed to take the child on, and he's taking care of other. People, so there, there is more of a sense of absorbing mm-hmm. people. You know, it, it's not like you see a lot of like homeless people. I mean, they'll cram people <laughs> into yeah. a tukulu and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you
1: send missionaries to Uganda? Hmm. You want to answer that
0: one? Okay. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> we didn't it, think we were yeah, go to Uganda. right. Initially, because I grew up in India, my parents were missionaries in India, and and then Jacob had, as a single guy, had gone to India several times, and we just thought, oh, it's a natural thing. We're going to
1: be mission, did, we married, missionaries.
0: Yeah. yeah, as we got married, and like six months later, we sold everything and just took off to India, and realized that that wasn't going to work out. Um, they we couldn't get a visa. So we came back with our tail tucked between our legs, and um, then we ended up raising our family. And then our oldest son graduated from college, and his professor had taken him on a trip to Uganda, uh, a mission trip. And our son Josh said, Mom and Dad, you have got to go to Uganda. It is so awesome. And so we took, our church took a a small group of, uh, there were about five of us that went and there was something that happened at that point that awake you know awakened in our hearts and especially in Jacob's heart, um, and it just through a series of events um, and ch- chance meetings <laughs> um, that we ended up having an interest in northern Uganda where there's really there are, at, at that time there really aren't weren't any other missionaries up in that area and. Not many groups that went up to that part because it's remote. The roads are bad. It's hard to get there. There's no electricity. There's no this or that. And so, and that was the area that Jacob was especially interested in because um, that was when when the Lord saved him. That was the thing that stood out as he wanted to go where where the gospel was not real really there. So um, it just. It was just the way God.
1: We can get it in Moyo. Yeah, we get it in our town, Moyo, which is like five miles from us. They get, He asked if you can get petroleum like gasoline and diesel and oil. And, and diesel is a lot cheaper, so that's why our vehicle, we got a diesel vehicle. It's easier to get. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. We may be taking up our time. Have we? Tony? Or? Yeah. Okay. I want to uh you really got it
0: before this The all And if you and you
1: haven't got on it, great job showing the area and Uh huh. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know I those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I put those, you know, articles on there to read stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do we got time for another question? Yes. yes. Oh, yes. It does, yeah. 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 That's a, one of the most dangerous things about them, yeah.
0: yeah. We've, yes. Yes. Just, I mean, yes. just very recently, one of the pastors of, in the Metu Mountains, their home burnt down and they lost everything. everything. It just takes one little
1: spark star, flying through the air, you know, psh, lands
0: on there, and can burn down. So, phew. yeah, it's very, very. Yeah. Um, it's not, it, you know, we. When we take pictures of Tukulus it's just so quaint and you know interesting. And I love, I love Tukaloos. They're they're a fun subject, but they're not fun to live in because. You know the termites get into the thatch and and bugs and rats and snakes and you know it's just it's not fun and you know if they if when they start to deteriorate when it rains the rain leaks in and so you know it looks cool but they're not it makes a nice (laughs) picture but they're really not that nice to live in so
2: (laughs) we we thank you for for coming and sharing this evening. I, I believe you're here through Saturday? Saturday morning. Saturday morning, and you're joining us Wednesday night, yes. perhaps? Okay. One, one of our groups will be in, be in the group, so um, we have more time to interact with you in, in those events. So if, uh, if you've got more questions, I encourage you to to reach out. I'm sure you'll be in and around town, probably close to the grandchildren. So so um, we encourage you to do that. Um, I'd like uh, Alan to come up here. And uh, close us out tonight it's uh It's a privilege to have him back here for for the evening, and uh, I hear that they're putting him to work in and Graham and, and uh, getting him used to the to the academic side of seminary. so anyways its a, it's a pleasure to have you here tonight, and we'll let you close us out and, and pray over them.
3: Let's pray. Father, I thank you for good stories and encouraging words of the progress that your church is making far from here and that we've been able to be a part of it and see that grow. I thank you for the for the example that Jacob and Carol have been to us and the inspiration to our people to consider how we can be a part of this great work that you're doing in the world that that you you have a seat for us at your table and call us to go out and invite more guests to your to your family table. So I ask that you protect all of those who are doing good work among the Oringa Muslims and in northern Uganda and South Sudan and the Metu Mountains, that you would give fruit to the work of their hands and send encouragement to Jacob and Carol as long as they are there to continue the work that you have for them and that they would never go weary of doing good and never forget to be faithful in the small things. That you, that they, I ask that they would see how big it is to be faithful in the work that you've given them and I ask that they would constantly remember the, the fruit that they will one day see, look back on and be encouraged by the promises that you've given them to sustain them even in legitimate trial and hardship that so often accompanies the greatest work that you have for us in the world. So thank you for bringing us together and ask that you bring us together again and make this a sweet time of fellowship for us. In Jesus' name, amen.